if you have your Bibles, if you would, turn with me to Psalm 62. Psalm 62. If you don't have one, we have pew Bibles in front of you, and you can find that on page 479. 479. Psalm 62. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rest my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock. My refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken and twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love for you will render to a man according to his work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow our heads as we read our hearts in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are our everlasting and mighty God. And we pray that you would speak to us now through the pages of your word, that you would jump out at us through these words. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What is a time recently when you experienced FOMO? Anybody? FOMO? Fear of missing out. There actually is an Oxford English Dictionary word. They defined it a few years and put it in the official lexicon. But I want to give you the the dictionary definition where it all started. (laughs) UrbanDictionary.com. Urban Dictionary defines FOMO as a form of social anxiety, a compulsive concern that one might miss an opportunity or a satisfying event. For example... You may have experienced FOMO this past week when your office had an eclipse watch party and your eclipse watching glasses didn't come in the mail until too late. You may have experienced FOMO when you were trying, like me, to squint at the sun without glasses. You maybe experienced FOMO when you saw pictures of your friends on the churchwide retreat. I saw especially Hudson won the uh, fishing tournament at our multi-site campus this morning at Shrinemont. That's something that I have fear of missing out on. And fear of missing out is really at the heart of discontentment. It's at the heart of discontentment with our present circumstances. We can't shake the feeling that our singleness or our marriage, our wealth, our health, our weight— our lack of kids, our promotion, our unemployment, whatever it is, 
is causing us to miss out on some spectacular life just out of reach. If I had that thing, I would be content. But the truth is, all of these yearnings are a struggle with contentment. And we've been going through the Psalms, and today we come to Psalm 62. And David is writing about waiting in silence before God. In a word, he's writing to us about contentment. And many of us have this FOMO. We look to other things to satisfy us and now find ourselves like David, restless. But David found the secret of contentment, and so can we. What is David's secret? We'll talk about that in a moment, but first let's talk about a few things. First, why we need it. Second, I'll make a few comments about what it is. And third, and finally, we'll talk about how we get it. So why do we need it? What is it? And how do we get it? Let's dive in. Contentment. Why do we need it? The truth is, without contentment, our circumstances will never be enough. Without contentment, our circumstances will never be enough. We know this in our hearts, whether rich or poor, always cry more. Why? Because we are restless, both in our body and our soul. And fear of missing out, this is not a new thing. It was the first fear stoked in Eve's heart when a serpent spoke to her of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be like God. Fear of missing out was Satan's first fear tactic, and it worked then, and it still works today as well. The way we use technology is a great example of our FOMO. You know the experience. You're going through your Facebook news feed, wondering what friends are doing, constantly refreshing your email at work with the tyranny of the urgent at the top of your inbox, checking news headlines, squeezing in emails between calls and calls in between meetings. We live our lives with a fear of missing out. And we need contentment. We know this. We need contentment regardless of our circumstances because our circumstances will never be enough. Even good things like a safe home and a stable marriage. We know this is true in our souls. As our North African church father, St. Augustine, wrote, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. And before 1855, The name Rockefeller was just another surname in America. Today, of course, we know the family legacy is one of over $10 billion in net worth and a great history of philanthropy in the company, in the country. The family has an enduring legacy across skylines in America. We know it best with the Rockefeller Center in New York. And at one time before the monopoly The oil monopoly was broken up in the early 1900s. Rockefeller owned 90% of America's oil. 90% of America's oil. He is arguably one of the wealthiest individuals in history. And a reporter once asked Mr. Rockefeller, he said, Mr. Rockefeller, how much money is enough money? How much money is enough money? And Mr. Rockefeller replied, Just 
a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And we know it's not just a problem for the Rockefellers, but it's a problem for us as well. I know that I'm always looking to the next thing that will bring me contentment, usually one Amazon Prime package at a time. <laughs> when I was in seminary, you know, I, was, I told myself, if I can just finish my degree, then I'll be content. Maybe for you, if it's, I can just get that job, if I could just pay off my student loans, if I could just find that right spouse. We know that history tells us, our experience tells us that the things we're looking for will never be enough. The things that we are looking for will never be enough. So number one, why do we need contentment? Because without contentment, our circumstances will never be enough. So we see why we need it. So let's talk a little bit about what it is. If you're taking notes, here is a definition of contentment. We sang it a little bit earlier in that song, It Is Well. Contentment is the soul-satisfying amen of our joy. Think about it for a second. Contentment is the soul-satisfying amen of our joy. And contentment, it's one of those words that's hard to define without using it in a sentence. Usually we say something like this. It's not about changing our circumstances, but being content in circumstances that we can't change. We, we use the word in a sentence to describe it. But first let me talk about a few things of what it's not. So contentment is not stoicism. What do I mean by that? Christian contentment is different than Greek Stoicism. Greek Stoicism is coming back with a vengeance. And it says that we live in a world that is governed by an impersonal fate. Stoicism in the face of a miscarriage says we trust in God and we feel nothing. It leads to a fatalistic attitude towards life. You can see how there's no soul-satisfying amen of our joy in that statement. And on the other hand, Christian contentment brings grief to bear in our humanity while trusting in a sovereign God. So Christian contentment says we trust in God and we weep at the loss of life with a sovereign God who weeps with us, who himself has experienced the loss of a child. And it's this kind of attitude that allowed German prisoner of war Dietrich Bonhoeffer to write to his best friend towards the end of World War II about the first text that he would want to preach if he were to be released from prison. Hint, it was Psalm 62. It was this passage. And enduring the hardships of a Nazi prison, Bonhoeffer experienced contentment so that he could look to the future even though he never got to preach that sermon. So we looked at what it's not. It's not stoicism. It's different than that. It's not emotionless. But let's look and turn our attention to what it is. Contentment, we'll look at it from two angles. Contentment has both a surface reality and also a soul-satisfying reality as well. What do I mean by that? On the surface, we are content when the sun is shining, when it is 80 degrees outside, when we're not arguing with our spouse, 
when life is good, we don't want to be cynical about these things that bring us surface contentment. David experienced this as well, this surface reality, when his reputation was under attack. Look at verses 3 and 4. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. See here, David is not downplaying the discontentment he feels when people speak falsely of him. But for the psalmist, contentment, yes, it has a surface reality, but there's more. There is a soul-satisfying reality as well that David is sharing about. And we see that in verse 1. When David says this, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Now it's easy to take for granted a word in this verse that we can just gloss over. It's the word soul. I just want you to take a moment to think about that as David is reflecting on the soul that we have a soul. Lest we be so busy in life that we become empty inside. Like the, the Greek Stoics, like a leaf that's in the wind. Our souls have been touched in eternity by God. And it is in our souls where we experience the deepest emotion of contentment, regardless of our circumstances. It's ultimately that discontentment comes when we're restless, unhappy, unsatisfied in our souls. But contentment is also found there. One preacher said it like this, I find a sufficiency of satisfaction in my own heart through the grace of Christ that is in me. I have a sufficient portion between Christ and my soul abundantly to satisfy me in every condition. This is a 16th century Puritan. He wasn't writing to us, but I think that he would agree that this is ultimately why we're always checking our phones, why we have FOMO on our news feeds, ultimately why no meal can ever satisfy us, no amount of zeros in our bank account or money in our 401k, no job, no spouse, no house, nothing in the world can ultimately satisfy us save the grace of Jesus Christ. And it's when our souls long for that soul-satisfying amen of our joy. When we long to say it is well with our soul. C.S. Lewis says this indicates that we were created to be satisfied by something from another world. We were created to be satisfied by something from another world. And Psalm 62 offers us a window into that other world. It offers us a picture of this contentment. I don't know how you guys experienced the eclipse this past week, but I was home and I tried to step out on my deck and looked up at the sun probably a little bit too long without glasses, was, was hoping I could get a glimpse. I didn't get a great glimpse, but this stood out to me. Everything around me was silent. Everything around me was silent. 
for 2 minutes and 38 seconds in Carbondale, Illinois. There was silence. That was the point of the longest totality in the United States. And the Washington Post was uh, commenting on it. And it said that a reverent quiet fell upon the crowd. They described it almost like a church service there in Carbondale, Illinois. Let me ask you a question. What if we experienced silence like this more than once a century? I think that it could be good for our souls. For David, this was a regular occurrence. When was the last time that you waited in silence before God like this? After work, we can hardly catch our breath when we get home before entertainment sucks whatever energy is left over from work. So it's no wonder that we're only, and even then barely only, able to care for our surface needs, let alone our soul satisfying needs. Why is it that a few of us get this far? I think David calls us to something deeper. David's secret is to wait in contentment before us, before God, to wait in silence before God. So why is it that so few of us get here? I think a few things. It could be that we are afraid of the silence. It could be afraid that of what we might hear in it. You're not enough. Your circumstances are not enough. Someone else came up to me after the first service and said he was not afraid of what he might hear in the silence, but that he wouldn't hear anything from God at all. He was afraid of the silence itself. On a deeper level, we ask the questions, will I be remembered? Will anything I do matter? Am I loved? These questions are at the heart of our discontentment. But contentment in Christ offers a different picture. It says to us that He is enough. That Jesus is our contentment. So we would add to our definition, contentment is the soul-satisfying amen of our joy, and we add, in Christ. And if our contentment is in Christ, then we are free to pursue Him and pursue contentment with reckless abandon. So what is it? Contentment is the soul-satisfying amen of our joy in Christ. So how do we get it? How do we get it? What is David's secret? Contentment must be pursued. Contentment must be pursued. What is David's secret? It's a good old case of classic spiritual disciplines. Sounds exciting, right? How do we get it? We got to work at it. Look at verse 12. The end of verse 12. For you will render to a man according to his work. How do we get it? We get it through our work. Which is why we see it's so easy to struggle with contentment. Because we're so often lethargic and lazy in our spiritual disciplines. I am the chief of sinners. How do we get better if we don't work at it? How do we get better at anything that we don't work at? We have to practice to be better at our spiritual disciplines. 
Now, of course, we, we know David is not talking about a works-based faith, but a fruitful faith. We say yes and amen. Grace changes everything. And that grace gives us the freedom to pursue contentment with reckless abandon. How do we get better if we don't work at it? We've got to work at it. Jesus himself references this psalm in Matthew 16, which was really helpful for me in my studying. He says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then here is our verse. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. He will repay each person according to what he has done. Contentment must be pursued. That's how we get it. We all long for it. We, we're looking for it. But what does it look like? We know why we need it. What is it? How do we get it? Let's describe uh, what, what it looks like. So real briefly, let's apply this as we look at three characteristics of contentment so we can be working this into our own lives. Number one, contentment is something to be learned. Listen to Philippians four eleven and 12. Paul writes, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And of course, we know the verse following that is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the source of our contentment. But I love it here because it's so interesting. Paul is telling us that he himself had to learn to be content. Paul had to learn how to be content. And it makes sense because it doesn't come easily. It doesn't come naturally to us. In other words, contentment must be pursued. It must be studied. It must be learned. And so if you try this, the next few days, the next few weeks, you may find yourself quite empty the first few times that you come before God in silence. But that's okay because we are, are hoping to learn how to hear from God, learn with our ears and our hearts to hear from God. Contentment is something to be learned. Number two, Contentment is something to be practiced. Contentment is something to be practiced. Psalm 62, verses 5 and 6. David, David says this, For God alone my soul wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Contentment is something to be practiced. You have to tell it to yourself. As David reminded us, in his welcome. We have spiritual amnesia, so we need to constantly tell ourselves, remind ourselves of the gospel, lest we forget this good story. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he was a Welsh pastor in the 20th century. He wrote this, you have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself. Preach to yourself. Listen to that question 
yourself. Tell yourselves the great truths of the scripture that he is our rock, our salvation, our fortress. And I love the contrast that we get here too because David, it appears, has spiritual amnesia between verse 1 and verse 5. Look down at verse 1. He says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He's describing his, his situation. But look where he is by verse 5. Verse 5 says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He's saying, soul, wait in silence. This is what King David is doing. He is telling himself this story. From verse 1 to verse 5, there's a difference. He's telling his soul to wait in silence before God. And if King David practiced contentment, then I think it's something that we should do as well. Contentment is something to be practiced. Tell it to yourself. Third and finally, contentment is something to be shared. Contentment is something to be shared. Look at verse 8. David turns his attention from himself, giving himself a pep talk, to giving a pep talk to the congregation. And he says this, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. David is telling the congregation, trust in him at all times. So a question I ask, what are you longing for? Where are you right now longing for contentment? And then when you have an answer to those questions, Share it with those who you love around you. Share that contentment that you have in Christ with the people around you. Tell the people about your trust in Him. This good news is offered to us right now as well. If you've never trusted in Jesus before, you can trust in Him now. You can pour out your heart before Him and be saved. What is this good news that we're talking about? Hebrews 13.5 gives us another picture of this. The writer of Hebrews says, Be content with what you have. For he has said, referring to Jesus, I will never leave you or forsake you. Be content because I will never leave you or forsake you. We know as we've sang who our rock and our fortress, our salvation is. So we can be content in him. Trust in Jesus, who is our rock, who is our salvation, in whom our souls are satisfied and find their amen. So our sermon in a sentence, Jesus is our contentment. So let's learn it, let's practice it, and let's share it with one another. As I mentioned this past week, the time of the Longest total eclipse was 2 minutes and 38 seconds. So what we're going to do right now is we are going to quiet our hearts and we're going to practice this together for 2 minutes and 38 seconds as we meditate on the source of our contentment from whom our salvation comes. So let's bow our heads together in silence.
Father, you alone can meet us where we are in our silence. We pray that you would grant us grace and the beauty of contentment. Like Paul, whether we have a little or a lot, whether we feel inadequate or up to the task, whether we are more discontent now with our circumstances than content, we pray that as we wait in silence before you now and this week and weeks to come, that we would see Jesus and be content. Lord, that is all that I need and that is all that we need. We pray this in his name. Amen.